Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Roberto Firmino steals the win for Liverpool against Tottenham. Arsenal hold on against Southampton. We have Juventus tying Atalanta as Ronaldo misses a penalty. And Bayer Leverkusen keeps on cruising in the Bundesliga. We got Jimmy Conrad. Our Wednesday recap begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Que Golasso Wednesday Recap. A lot of games and it feels weird. Uh, Jimmy Conrad right here with me. So weird. Uh, so many games Wednesday, Jimmy. And uh, I feel like it's a Saturday, but it's like just midweek. Well, yeah, it also feels like a Champions League day or a Europa League day where there's like 3,000 games happening at once. So it's been great. I'm just bitter, Luis. I'm going to come out and say it right from the start. I am bitter because I predicted Liverpool Tottenham 1-1, and it was so close to being 1-1. And Bobby Firmino scored at the very end to make it 2-1. I don't know if you think that's a deserved result or not. I'm sure Liverpool fans say, absolutely, we deserve all three points. And Tottenham fans are going to be like, oh, well, a tie was probably fair. And I'm sure you can make an argument for both. But but I'm just bitter from a betting perspective, because I like being right. And, and it was so close, and I missed it. Anyway. Continue. <laughs> no, I like it. That's the way we should do it. And I love it when whiny Jimmy comes in. Oh, I'm a bit like, Ugh. listen, uh, so yes, we begin with that game. Of course, Liverpool topped the Premier League table uh, after Bobby Firmino uh, stealing uh, a late win there for uh, Jurgen Klopp's side, claiming a dramatic, dramatic late victory in a pretty good game uh, against Tottenham. Uh, it was a really great goal from Firmino, to be fair. A really good, powerful header uh when you know and that came obviously after the fact that the away side Mourinho side Tottenham hit the post uh a, a few good chances from Bergwin of course uh but in the end Liverpool win three points uh you could see that um you know Anfield was excited club was excited and, and they reclaim uh, top of the table uh, let's get straight away your thoughts as you began uh, the show, Jimmy, obviously I saw a draw too, to be quite honest. I, I thought that basically what was happening in the first half was going to continue throughout for 90 minutes. And then uh, Firmino with that great header to make it 2-1. This for me was a quintessential performance from both teams in some ways and, and a reflection of their manager's philosophies. Because when you look at the possession, let's just take possession only. Klopp had 76%. Liverpool had 76%. And Spurs had 24%, only two shots on goal for Spurs, 11 for Liverpool, right? So, I mean, you can already tell there who's trying to take the game by the scruff of the neck and actually make something happen. And who's just sitting back and waiting for good opportunities. And Spurs still had enough opportunities to steal all those points there. They did. Bergwijn, as you said, hit the post. Uh, I thought Harry Kane should have buried a corner kick that hit him right in the forehead from six yards out. And he somehow like headed down and went over. And I see that in FIFA a lot when I'm playing the video game. Like, nobody ever does that in real life. And I saw Harry Kane do it today. Uh, I'm, I'm sure for the purists out there, as I mentioned before, Liverpool, 
I, I like a team that takes the initiative. And I think that's where Mourinho maybe loses some of those people because he has such a talented team. It's one thing, of course, if he had like a Burnley, right? And it was clear he had 11 players that were not as good as the other 11 players. But here we could argue that Tottenham have just as much talent as Liverpool, and yet they still play so defensive. And so, yeah, I thought, okay, overall, you know, I like the team that likes, like, likes to take it and go for it, and, and they deserve the win. But, but Tottenham did enough to win this game and did enough to at least get a draw as well and didn't do either. So it, it's a big result, and I can't say enough about Liverpool in particular because they've been dealing with so much adversity, and they're playing a couple of young guys in this one. Uh, that the mistake by Williams is the defensive positioning. I thought Hingman's son was going to sit before the game. And we didn't really talk about this particular tactic, but I thought Hingman's son was going to sit in between Trent Alexander-Arnold and Reese Williams because Reese Williams is young and Trent Alexander-Arnold likes to bomb forward. And that's where that pocket of space is going to open up. And the goal that Spurs scored was exactly that. And so it was pretty cool to see that come to life when you could see it really on all unfold. Anyway, credit to Liverpool for getting the results, not being 100%. And showing the rest of the league and Tottenham and Jose Mourinho and all of us watching that they're those champions for a reason. Because that's how champions play in big games. Yeah, especially against the Mourinho side who, like like you mentioned, you know, they, we know what they're going to bring. I, I mean, I tweeted it during the game. It's kind of funny how, like, he's kind of, like, unashamed. You know, he doesn't care. Listen, no. we get the ball, we just hoof it to Son or Kane. And let's just see what happens. And there was a moment in the game where you're just like watching the entire midfield of Tottenham, literally just watching what Kane and Son are going to do. I don't want to completely exaggerate, but that's pretty much what happens. And a really good performance from Hugo Lloris as well. You mentioned the possession. It was even worse in the first half for Tottenham. Uh, so, you know, they should be, you know, I guess uh, thinking about that as they look ahead, but they're not going to. This is pretty much the Tottenham that you expect. Uh, but take nothing away from them. I mean, they're a very good, strong side when they don't have the ball. And to your point, Liverpool had so many issues coming into this, so many injuries. And I think it says a lot, Jimmy, that to me, when I think about the, you know, obviously Firmino scoring the winner is good, but I thought Fabinho was excellent. And I thought that, you know, talking about young players, Jones was really good as well. There are many things I like about what he does. But yes, they're, they're not there. You know, Diogo Jota's not here. They're, they're not completely uh, complete so to get this win is a big one and, and, and to top the table even more so. And you could see that uh, just the way that Klopp and the team was celebrating. Absolutely. And they have to be pleased because their next group of matches are against Crystal Palace. Don't, don't get me wrong. That'll be tough, but something they should be able to handle. Then they have uh, West Brom, who even though they just hired Big Sam Allardyce, right, to help save them from the drop, which is always a the Big Sam Allardyce who always comes in, everybody. If you're unfamiliar with Big Sam Allardyce, he always gets hired to save teams that are struggling. And he has a record of never getting relegated. So this is a massive hire. I wonder if West Brom can now save it because they're just hanging out at the bottom. And then they face Newcastle uh, at St. James's Park. Newcastle, for me, got smoked by Leeds today. I don't really... No, they should all be uh, wins for yeah. Liverpool. Those they should be. And then they have Southampton uh, and then Aston Villa and then Manchester United. So then they kind of have a couple games so they can necessarily relax, but they should win those ones. And they have another little stretch. It's a little bit difficult, but, but uh, it's a big one. It's a statement win. Yeah, absolutely. One last point about this, Jimmy. I'm wondering what you think. Uh, you know, this was, I think, uh, also a game for Dele Alli to maybe show what he can do before. I, I don't know if personally already he's, he's got his bags packed. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk right now, obviously, about what would happen to him in January. But, you know, he came on later. Like, this probably could have been an opportunity for him to do it. And again, this is a game where 
Mourinho probably hoped that Gareth Bell was back to being at least providing something. He wasn't even in the squad. Um, so, you know, those are tiny. We talk about the depth of Tottenham. You know, those are kind of players that you would have hoped uh, could have done something to at least salvage your point. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Gareth Bale, but even if he was healthy, I think we can all agree he's a bit of a shadow of himself. So you just don't know which version of him. He's still dangerous, but I feel like he lacks that hunger. To, and especially a hunger that I think Jose Mourinho desires from his players. And so it'll be interesting to see how this relationship unfolds throughout the season. Deli Ali, yeah, he looks like he's got that Christian Eriksen vibe where he just like doesn't really want to be there. He'll go out there and run around, but he really doesn't care all that much. In fairness to him, he came on in the 87th minute. So it wasn't like there was much he could do or have, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to actually run around and find the flow of the game. But yeah, I think there's something going on. And I wouldn't be surprised if he left in January as well. I'm sure as we saw in the documentary, they just want to make sure they get fair value for him, just like they wanted from, for Christian Eriksen. So that might be the big hangup at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And regardless, the storyline, the narrative, the conclusion, the end of this one is that Liverpool wins three points, top of the table. Staying in the Premier League, just a few more matches for you to consider here. Jimmy, uh, West Ham uh, tied against Crystal Palace. Uh, Palace ended with uh, 10 men. Christian Benteke did score, but then he also got sent off. Typical Benteke style. Uh, but this also, by the way, everybody had a goal of the season contender with Sebastian Haller with an overhead kick inside the box, but it was just powerful, upper, like top left corner. I saw it. Ridiculous. Absolutely beautiful. Just how he, just how he gets his feet set. If you guys get to see the highlight, just how he reacts to the ball and he knows exactly what he wants to do once the ball kind of pops up in a certain way. It's, it's amazing. So good. Uh, Everton went 2-0 uh, against Leicester City, which is honestly Ooh. something I didn't see coming. Uh, you know, pretty good, right? Back-to-back clean sheets against Chelsea and Leicester. I mean, I don't think anybody put any money on that. That is ridiculous and fair play to Everton. I thought they were excellent in, in all areas of the field uh, this game. And I don't know how this looks for Hamas Rodriguez. He didn't start or didn't even travel for this one. He's still nursing a bit of an injury, but uh, you know, he's not in the midfield and all of a sudden they get two clean sheets and get two big victories over two of the top teams in the league. Not to say his days are numbered, but I, I don't know what Ancelotti's going to do. I mean, that, those are tough decisions to make now if Hamas, once Hamas gets healthy. Yeah, absolutely. But regardless, like you said, good wins against Chelsea and now Leicester City for Everton. Fulham tied Brian nil-nil. No need to even talk about that anymore. Um, <laughs> Leeds United uh, just went all about Marcelo Bielsa's style. Uh, it was back and forth against uh, your Newcastle, Jimmy. And then they scored three goals in like less than 10 minutes. Jack Harrison's goal, by the way. Sick. Oh, my God. His NYCFC's Jack Harrison just absolutely belted that one. Uh, and 5-2, Jimmy. I'm sorry about that one. I, I appreciate the, that. But I will say that I have, I have no expectations for my team. I just... Don't want to get relegated. That's that's the only expectation that I have. And we just don't have the quality, and especially when you play up against a team like Leeds who might not have the quality of the top six, but they're organized. They have an identity. They know how they want to play. And if they play against a team like Newcastle, who for me doesn't really have much of an identity, it's just kind of like roll the ball out there and fight and scrap and see what happens. And hopefully our talented players will make something happen by themselves. You know, it's it's you're going to get crushed by a team that actually knows what they're doing and how they move together so so that's not a that's not a surprising scoreline for me arsenal southampton though well that's the one that we can end it and go ahead arsenal uh tie the game uh they they get a point uh, against southampton uh but you know i don't know if they're happy with the point obviously 10 men obama young did score yeah which was good to see but gabriel gets sent off in the 62nd minute so they have to play a good 
just under 30 minutes with 10 men. Theo Walker had opened the scoring. Uh, what do you get from this? Uh, should they be happy they at least got a point with 10 men or just the fact that they didn't win once again? I don't know. That's a tough one. I, I think uh, if you're an Arsenal fan, you'll take any point you can get right now because had they lost this, they'd be very, very close to the relegation zone and, and taking one step further towards that. So there's something, there are some, some takeaways, obviously Aubameyang not scoring own goals at the Emirates, but actually scoring for his own team is very, very positive. You know, some of the young players continuing to get some good experience. It's only going to make them tougher and stronger as the years okay, go by. is an absolute. Oh my God. I mean, just the way he diced it up to, to get that whole play started with Aubameyang's uh, goal was next level. You just wish you saw that a little bit more, you know? Yeah. And so I'd like to think that Mikel Arteta is going to encourage his younger players, the ones that like to go forward and take people on to continue to do that. Now they have evidence that Saka, not that we didn't have it before, but he proved it in a game that led to a goal, which is important because that takes a lot of pressure off of Aubameyang to feel like he's got to do it all by himself all the time. That back four though, for me, for Arsenal, I don't know. You know, I thought the goal they gave up to Theo Walcott was so preventable. Uh, Gabriel getting two really silly yellow cards just, shows some some lack of maturity and composure, which I think is really a sign, uh, um, you know, a microcosm of kind of the whole season. Like, yeah, they've got some good things going. They're really energetic. They want to do something, but then they just make mistakes that really shoot themselves in the foot. That's as arsenal as it gets. So, yeah, I think overall you take the point. Southampton's very good this season, as we talked about in the preview of this. They're very organized, and they came out and did the same thing. They had a couple opportunities that maybe they'll feel hard done by by not getting the full three points, but – I think there's like maybe a level of satisfaction. Like, yeah. All right, we got the draw. Let's just move on from this game. Now we just have to beat the opponents that we should be beating and, and uh, take it from there. But yeah, it's one game at a time for Arsenal right now, man. Scary times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, if you want to find some solace for Arsenal fans, I guess when they had 11 men, they were really going for it. And you could have thought they probably could have won it. Uh, but then 10 men comes and then they're just holding on against a good Southampton side who were <laughs> looking to top the table at that point. Uh, you know, but it didn't happen. Listen, but here's the reality. Arsenal have just won 14 points from 13 Premier League games this season. That's their lowest tally at this stage of a top flight campaign since 1974, Listen, no, listen, I just started laughing when you were talking because I just looked at their schedule really quick to see what the next, you know, three or four games look like. Oh, they God, play, give it to me. What is it? They play Everton, who are in huh? fine form, two, you know, straight clean sheets at Goodison Park in a couple hard? days. Oh, away. Oh, very hard. Yeah, away at Goodison Park. And then they come home to Manchester City. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a couple days after that. And then they're home to Chelsea a couple days after that on Boxing Day. Oh, That is great. like... So you have to play, so Arteta has to play the team <laughs> where he really delivered when he was in the Premier League. That's right. Against uh, the team where he learned everything from as a coach. That's right. Uh, against a, a, a London rival, a, a manager that knows him well as a player as well. So, you know, emotionally that's tough for him, but that's very difficult. Yeah, I will say the Man City one is the the League Cup. So the League Cup is midweek uh, that's right. before Christmas. And then they play Chelsea on Boxing Day. Boxing Day. Uh, from there, it goes Brighton, West Brom, Newcastle. So the next three will be somewhat more manageable. But man, those next, or the following three, but the next three are. Well, Jimmy, here's a question for you. Wow. Can, wow. If they hold on, right? Let's say, forget the League Cup for a second, unless they get absolutely destroyed. Because if they just yeah. lose, you know, 2 1, whatever, like, okay, fine. People can deal with that, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but if they lose against Everton, and they get nothing against Chelsea. Or City. Yeah, you're right. Or get knocked out of that. You're right, yeah. This is surely, I know what Edu has said, but come on. Like, 
you know, or, or do they say be patient because the easier games are coming? I don't know. That's a great question. Because because I'll tell you what. Be, sorry, before you even answer. No, go ahead. The answer because I'll tell you what. Right, you look at the table now, and uh, they're still five points above the relegation zone. They lose to Everton. They don't get anything against Chelsea, and you know, Big Sam, yeah, yeah, West yeah. Brom doing their thing. Maybe Fulham, uh, Brighton, and Burnley do their thing. <laughs> they could find themselves in the drop zone uh, before the end of the year. Yeah, I was going to say Arsenal fans might be kicking themselves that uh, Big Sam went to West Brom instead of Arsenal to help save them out of a relegation scrap. There is something to be said, though, for if you are going to make a change, giving that new manager a transfer window to actually make changes. Mm. I assume at this point, and I'll, li I'll just liken it to when Andrea Pirlo was kind of hanging around the Juve front office when Maurizio Sarri was in charge. Those owners are probably running things past current or like managers that don't have a job or people that, that used to be managed. You know, you kind of want to, as an owner, you, 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 I think most owners should recognize they don't know the game as intimately as some, some other people that have played or managed for many, 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 many years. So you kind of always have that outside resource. And if that person goes, Hey, I don't know, you know, and I think Andrea Pirlo was that guy for Juve who's they're like, Hey, yeah. Sorry, it's not really working. He's like, yeah, he's not working. And if I was in charge, I'd be doing this, this, and this. And then all of a sudden, the owner's like, I kind of like the way you're talking, baby. Let's let's put you in charge. I don't think that's happening. I don't know who Arsenal has. I mean, obviously, Pirlo is, is uh, you know, a, a very like an anomaly, I'd say, in that that situation. But you have to think, they, if you run into smart business and something's not working, you have to think of your options. So, so they have to be looking. I'd be be really foolish of them not to be looking at this point. You almost wish that Thierry Henry was a little bit more, I don't know. Uh, groomed. Yeah, groomed. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the right word, right word I'm looking for. Because I think he would, he, I think he'd want to crack at it. But that whole Monaco experience with him in particular didn't go good, didn't go so well. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't want to dwell too much into Arsenal, but I, I will say this though, I, I, it's just, I, it's, I, I feel like they've opened so many doors and possibilities that they're running out of like ideas that I. I just, I don't know what is next. I mean, Mikel Arteta was meant to bring that whole, I used to play for Arsenal. I used to be the captain of Arsenal. I kind of know the identity. I come from a very good resume. They've tried Unai Emery. They've tried so many other things since, uh, you know, uh, well, not so many other things, but they've tried sort of to stick with a certain identity since Wenger. What is now? I say, before Wenger, George Graham played some pretty boring stuff with Arsenal, but they got the results done. So your Allardyce joke is really not like maybe bring in somebody that just says, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get you guys all in order right now. Right. But I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Pochettino's out there. Allegri's out there. We say these names a lot. Allegri would be interesting. He would be interesting, and I don't think I don't think Pochettino would go to Arsenal, but I could see Allegri being an option. But it's so funny because uh, we talk about somebody after Arteta. Arteta is still there. We'll see what happens after these matches. All right. When we come back, very quick uh, whip around uh, Europe with a Barcelona win, Juventus, et cetera, et cetera. Stay right here. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.
CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back, everybody. Jimmy Conrad, yours truly, talking some Wednesday recap action in Europe. Jimmy, Barcelona uh, and Antoine Griezmann's hair win 2-1 <laughs> against Real Sociedad. They did concede first, uh, but they, uh, you know, recovered and, and got those three points. Um, you know, a good win for Barca as they look to climb the table. Yeah, great win for them. We talked about a statement win for Liverpool. This is a statement win for Barcelona. They had their backs against the wall against a team that's been very good in La Liga. We didn't know what lineup they were going to roll out there. A lot of uncertainty around Barcelona and their identity in particular. They gave up the first goal. So there's a real sense of, uh, here we go again. William Jose scored. Porto had the assist. I told you guys that Porto was going to score. He was so close, but he set up uh, William Jose instead. But I really like the response from Barcelona. Less than five minutes later, Jordi Alba equalized and they got uh, Frankie de Jong's goal that ended up standing up uh, right before halftime. So now you go into that halftime with a little boost of confidence. And Pedri had a great goal line clearance. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, just the hustle he had to get back into a play when Ishak was in one-on-one with Ter Stegen. Uh, just a lot of like, those are the type of mo- movements and moments that you have to see from your team, right? Where they're like, I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to make this play. And I think we saw a lot of those from Barcelona today. Uh, Some people would liken it to desperation. I see it as this enthusiasm to like, let's get back to doing the, like you, yes, you want to play the Barcelona way, but there's also this dirty work that you still have to do. And I feel like they don't have enough of those. They have too many luxury players, as we like to say, and not enough of the scrappers that get in there. And I feel like we saw some stuff, some grit today from Barcelona that we hadn't seen. I like that Braithwaite's in there. Whatever you think about Martin Braithwaite, the guy fights and scraps, you know, and they need a little bit of that. You kind of wish it was more maybe in the middle of the field, like more defensive per se, I think for all you aesthetically pleasing lovers out there. But but Braithwaite does bring some grits and he will fight and scrap and try to do the little things that will open up ultimately space for Messi and and, and the luxury players to go and do their thing. Yeah, Chris Monter, uh, that guy's crazy. He must be bored, but uh, I get it. We're all in quarantine and trying to do our thing and be safe and smart. But yeah, anyway, long story short, massive win for Barcelona, something definitely to build off of. And I don't know if it's going to completely appease all their fans, but they have to be, I mean, they played well today. And so that's, that's just a good sign. Yeah, well, and they jumped to fifth place. Uh, you know, Sevilla does have a game in hand, but, you know, fifth place, 20 points now, and they can look ahead and build on this, as you said, because at the end of the day, it's all about mentality. I'll tell you one thing that I did see here today. Messi is Messi. He can do whatever. Uh-huh. And he's amazing. But it really showed me today that this is a club that misses somebody like Luis Suarez. Because, like, when Lionel Messi does his thing, there are he also does a lot of things that almost happen. Right. He, he, mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. he almost scores or he sets up a really great cross, but nobody gets at the end of it. Uh, Luis Suarez would usually get at the end of those mm-hmm. or at least like, mm-hmm. you know, I got you, Leo. Don't worry. I got you in this play. Don't worry. And today was a day where I thought, yeah, this is probably another reason why they struggling this season, because they don't have like that sort of uh, Robin. Like exactly. 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 But today was a resilient win for them. A good win. As you said, a scrappy win. They just want to get that victory. And they did. 
Okay, so the one thing I'll say about Barcelona is given the season that they've had, they had this great performance, and I just feel like the next game against Valencia at home this weekend, they'll be they'll just they'll, they'll throw up a dud. And you're like, wait, what? How how what happened to the team from Wednesday? You know, that just seems the Barcelona of right now. However, Real Madrid were going through the same thing, and Madrid probably had their best week of the season. They beat Borussia Mönchengladbach. They won. They won the the Madrid derby against Atleti in, in a really convincing fashion. They just took care of Athletic Bilbao three one. Benzema had two goals, scored at the end. Zidane saying he's the best French striker of all time. Zidane came out and said that. I was like, uh, Thierry Henry wants a word, by the way. Yeah, so, so there's. Been. But I love yeah, it. I love that he's showing up for his boy. That's he great, is, dude. And Madrid's playing well, right? So they finally figured out their best, and I think a lot of it is Tony Cruz scored as well. Like their older guys are starting to perform. To your point, it's okay to have a Luis Suarez type, and you're right, Barcelona is lacking that, or they're not getting it consistently from the same person, right? It's not Griezmann one game. It's not Coutinho who didn't play, by the way, and almost like Hamas Rodriguez in some ways for Barcelona. You think on paper, we got to get Coutinho on the field, but actually the team is better balanced when he's not on the field. And I think the same thing for Hamas and Everton. That was a little sidebar for you guys, but, but who is that proper number two for Messi? When he goes to Man City next season, he's going to have a lot of number twos, but for right now in Barcelona, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough because nobody's really stepped up and been the guy. Yeah, well, a good win for Barca, regardless, as they are fifth now. All right, let's uh, go to Serie A very quickly. Juventus uh, and Atalanta, they share the spoils. Uh, Ronaldo missed a penalty in this one. And I saw some shameful, shameful attempt to try and score a goal by uh, Alvaro Morata. It was, it was disgusting. So, so I'm going to start with the American perspective first. Weston McKinney came in, and I thought the kid was lights out. He, he's the one that set Marata free on that one that you're talking about where he's in on goal 1v1, by the way. If you guys haven't seen this, I'm just going to walk you through it. He goes, gets the goalkeeper to commit, and then Ronaldo's right there with a tap in, and he, he like doesn't hit it hard enough for the pass. So that allows the defender that was trailing to get back in the play. The goalkeeper can kind of slide over. Big collision goes back to Marata, and he tries to do a cheeky back heel and like flubs it wide. Everybody's like, just just turn around and slot it in. It was unreal, but it all got set up from McKinney. Good defending in the middle of the field, running to break the lines and then putting in Murata. He had another cheeky back heel that put in Murata. Murata missed it. Good save by Galini. And then he did another great like layoff to, to Murata that, that uh, Murata just couldn't get out of his feet and Galini made another good save. I mean, I really was impressed with McKinney today. I thought his, his balance of when to go forward and like his timing of when to do that was super impressive and I'm, I'm very excited about his future every time I watch him play he wins me over I already, I already thought he won me over and I'm like god damn this guy he can play he is good he is very good and I think he'll be a nice balance for our U.S. men's national team moving forward with Tyler Adams and Pulisic and Gio Reyna and all those guys that's a sidebar I will say though that Atalanta were better when Papu Gomez came on the team uh, in onto the field he got subbed in around the 50 55th 60th minute they scored their goal after he showed up. Everything started to flow better for them. I thought 1-1, honestly, was a fair result. Chesney and goal for Juventus was, was fantastic. I thought Chiesa was very good, scored his first goal for Juve. Terrific finish. Uh, so a lot of good performances in different ways. But I actually thought the draw was a fair result. I, I thought that both goalkeepers made some big saves. There was some good attacking play. Actually, if you watch that game from start to finish, you think this is a pretty good advertisement for Serie A. Sure, finished 1-1, but... The, the, the mounts and type of attacking and obviously the star power on the field, both goals were excellent. Uh, it was very cool to watch. 
Yeah, well, to your point, Serie A is looking great because Inter Milan wins and Milan uh, ties. So Milan has 28 points, Inter Milan 27, Juve with 24, Napoli with 23, Sassuolo, sexy Sassuolo with 23, and Roma with 21. So Serie A is looking real, real exciting. All right, finishing up, last thoughts from you, Jimmy, on uh, the Bundesliga. Bayer Leverkusen just keep um, trucking. You know, they sell Kai Havertz. They don't care. They're still going. They're still going all out, undefeated. They they win uh, uh, comprehensively against Köln. Bayern Munich does win with a brace thanks to uh, Robert Lewandowski, uh, and this uh, race is heating up. I told you guys that one. I think Robert Lewandowski to score and both teams to score, and then well done, my friend. Work. Thank you. I hit I hit him every once in a while. What I really like though about Bayer Leverkusen, and they play Bayern Munich this weekend. So if you're going to circle really any game on your calendar and you haven't really watched much of the Bundesliga watch this one. And, and one of the big reasons why I like both of these teams, well, let's focus on Leverkusen. They can beat you in so many different ways. Uh, Diaby showed up today. Patrick Schick, uh showed up today. Uh, Leon Bailey, obviously, has scored a bunch of goals, had an assist on Florian Wirtz, one of the best young players in the world that's in Leverkusen. They got Bella Rabi, uh, Demir Bay, who came on as subs because the, they were probably resting their legs for, for Bayern Munich this weekend. Uh, this this game is is by far my favorite. Sure, we could say Manchester United leads and and you know Tottenham Leicester or whatever, but this is the game for me this upcoming weekend. Uh, Leverkusen and Munich and Bayern Munich, excuse me. But yeah, very very good players on both sides. And and Bayern Leverkusen top of the table have yet to lose yet in the Bundesliga. So that that speaks to what they're doing right. Well, and uh, we'll be talking about that great game in the Bundesliga this weekend. Uh, tomorrow as we yeah, speak as part of our weekend preview jimmy conrad always good to have you brother thank you so much uh i hope you you know get to relax because you're going to come back to me very soon again oh yeah of course relaxing is what i do when i'm not talking the beautiful game or watching the beautiful game or writing about the beautiful game or tweeting about the beautiful game or doing insta stories about the beautiful game <laughs> so really you're not relaxing i'm not relaxing <laughs> but i i love what i do and i love talking about it and i love the audience that we're building i can't thank everybody enough for tuning in to us on a regular basis and uh yeah we appreciate you i just want to say that here here jimmy conrad thanks so much brother thank you Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Kegolasso Pod on Twitter. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And stay with us because we have so much more to come, including our weekend preview and so much more as we look ahead to the busy holiday soccer season. Have a great day.
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 